look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing? Well, I'm good, but I got to tell you that you know Alberta's feeling it, right? We talk to Alberta clients all the time, and this, this sort of the the Alberta experience in the last several years is it's it's been tough. People are feeling this. Do you know we're actually growing our economy? Yeah. Do you know that we actually have expansion in this province? I know it doesn't feel like it. it. Doesn't. So I think what the statistics state is not what we feel in our housing prices, in our pocketbooks. Wages, job loss still happening. Except if you go to the mall or to a restaurant in this city. They seem to be full. They seem to be full. I can't find parking at Chinook, so i got to talk to them about that. (laughs) Um, Restaurants are busy. Yes. So there's some parts of the economy that I think are showing economic activity that would not give me the idea to believe we're in a recession. Right. But then there's other parts, and I'm looking out my my window on Friday out of my office, and I see a whole bunch of empty office spaces in other buildings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that feels like a recession. Well, so, we're, we're going to ask Joe Cece about that today, so you want to stick around for that. What, uh, you know, what, what are the plans to get, this, uh, to get this experience that we're having turned around positive and get that Alberta advantage going again, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, alternative asset classes, we talk about five pillars all the time, and one of them is an alternative trading strategy. And institutional investors often, uh, Faisal, are doing something very different than what you and I, you know, we call retail investors, are doing in their portfolios. And they're using some different kinds of strategies to try to control risk, right? We've had lots of volatility. People are sensitive to that. How do you control it? Yep. And how do you still get returns? How do you give yourself a high probability of still generating the rates of returns we need given you know, whatever economic environment we're in. And we're going to talk to uh, Tim Elliott a little bit about that alternative asset class and help from an educational perspective understand that there are things that are that go beyond just stocks, bonds, and traditional Correct. cash. Here's something that people are talking about, at least to me this week, Dave, was um, uh, security of income. Yep. And I met with a couple that were looking for a second opinion, and they are 100% invested in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Because that's the place to be in the last five years. Mm-hmm. So they've made some good money. How'd they feel last quarter, last year? Well, not not very good. That's why they wanted a second opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. but, but I said to them, your portfolio of the last five years has done pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like you've done well. What, what's what's, what's, what's the catalyst for change? Yeah. Was it just one bad quarter? And they said, no, we're, we're concerned about, are we going to get the cash flow, the income that we need in our retirement? Right. And the conversation went from all we need is an is a six percent rate of return mm-hmm. to how are we going to get that six percent rate of return? Like with, within minutes of the conversation, it went from this is what I need, and and literally what they did is they took two million dollars mm-hmm. times six percent mm-hmm. is one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So if you just get me six percent, mm-hmm. we've won. We're good. Okay. In theory, okay. he's correct. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say in theory is because we know that there is no 6% government of Canada bond index to inflation that will give them the cash flow they need to retire securely. Right. So what's the problem? I mean, we, we talk about this in the seminar, and I, we can't do it justice in this time, time, but, time we have, but there's a very specific problem that a client has with respect to volatility 
when they start drawing on their portfolio. Yeah, in this case, they realize 6% is not guaranteed. Right. It's not an absolute rate of return every single year. Correct. It's And when you don't have that guarantee, increase the anxiety, increase the uncertainty, and what do you do in, in, in that situation? And that's where we start talking about our buckets. Well, can I, let me just plant the seeds. So sure. people listening, okay, the, here's the problem. I just want you to think about in a year where if you're all stock exposed and your stocks fall, I'm not talking 5%, but let's say they have a big tumble, 10, 15, 20%, not even like the 2008. And you have to withdraw from that portfolio when it's beaten up and down. Okay, Mathematically, just close your eyes and picture that. You've dug a hole and you got to dig into that deep hole and you got to dig some more out. Mathematically, there's some very serious implications of that over the period of retirement. And that's what I think people don't realize is that if a portfolio does fall 10 or 15%, <clears throat> which is normal mm -hmm. in a stock market, that's normal, and you draw your 6% out, mm -hmm. um, you may not see the impact in the first 10 years. Mm -hmm. Where you'll see the impact is in the next 10 years or the 10 years after that. It's the compounding effect. That's yeah, right. it's the lack of growth. And right. literally, you can, you can lose years of money off your plate by taking an aggressive stance. So the immediate rebuttal on that argument was, well, why don't we just go find a whole bunch of stocks that give us 6% dividend and we've right. won. Yeah, by dividend paying okay, stocks. Well, or, or preferred shares yeah, or whatever yeah. maybe, right? Something that pays. Yeah. You still have volatility within the portfolio. So, and you still have the potential for for dividend tax or for uh, a cut. uh, dividend cuts, right? So let's assume that there are no dividend cuts. Okay. Let's just assume that. Okay. Okay, that's a big assumption. Right. At 6% right. in today's market. Right. Big assumption. Right, big assumption. Second assumption is you'll only need 6% of your portfolio every single year. You'll never need more. Right. You'll never need more. That kind of mindset limits you on what you can and cannot do. Right. So I, I'm curious with those who are talking about these dividend-paying strategies, when you need income and it's above the dividend rate, what do you do? Right. I would love for other people in our industry to come contact us and say, this is what we do. Because I, I don't get it. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand the math when I look at it forwards and backwards. Right. I don't understand how long that money can last if you dip over that 6% in our example. Right. The, the part of that of why we built this asset dedication strategy we call the four buckets is very important because now you can start to see what's paying you cash flow and what you're invested in and what's designed to grow to replenish that cash flow every 10 years. Can, can I use, so yeah, the, so the math, you're right on the money. We're trying to deal with a, a, a math problem, but there's a human experience that people have here too. Okay, before you just hold that okay. thought, right. it's, I wish we were on, on video right now so yeah. people can see how you've got literally three or four things going through your head yeah. at the exact same yeah. time. My eyes are going back and forth. And you're at the edge of your seat and you're ready to slap me to say, shut up because I want to I wanna tell you my point. Okay, so just go ahead. Say, say your point. I just wanted to get that out because it's hilarious. I, I, I got to take pictures of you doing this. All right. So I, I'm going to use a really uh, a real example, right? Um, and I'm going to use a, a non-dividend cut. And I just I want people to envision this, okay? If you if you had invested in uh, just say the Canadian banks in general at the peak of the market in '07, um, let's call it June or so, uh, and you rode through that 2008-2009 experience, never once was your dividend cut, right? Never once was your dividend cut. But you would have seen that $2 million portfolio cut to about a million dollars. You'd have been a down 50% at the worst. And the question is, can you, as a human experience, can you, can you go through that period, not panic, not make the wrong decisions? Most people can't. The reality is most people can't. And we've experienced that just in December alone. You know, people starting, well, how many calls do we get? Not just from clients, but from other people. 
they're, they're panicking through this period. So it's a human experience, and structure becomes really important to insulate people from doing crazy stuff. It's funny because we I had a I had a conversation with one of our clients who who wants you know a better return. Who doesn't, of course? And so he says to me, "I'm willing to take on a bit more into the equity market." Mm-hmm. Okay, let's increase it by an additional ten percent. Okay, sure. Let's go with your thesis here. So we start talking about that, and he goes. I have a concern because my portfolio in December fell 3%. Right. You have a concern about 3% in one month, yet you want to increase stocks in your portfolio. Right. You have to be ready for 20% swings. Well, that's in, normal. In December, in December alone, there were double digit down downward swings in equity markets worldwide. So you know I have no life, so I start to read up on this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I started reading did you know that it's that during the 2007-8 rollover of the markets mm-hmm. and the crash that we went through, 90% of the time on the U.S. market, there was greater than 1% swings up or down? Did you okay. know last year alone, only 44% of the time, did we have swings in the market of greater than 1% right. or lower than 1%? I didn't know that. Matt. It was way less volatile than 2007, 2008. Right. And it was way less volatile than the average, which is above 57% of the time. Hmm. Above 57% of the time, you should be expecting your U.S. stock market to either grow or fall by greater than 1%. Wow. That's normal volatility. Right. We've been in abnormal volatile times. And when volatility hit in December, I can't take it, but I want more stocks so I can get a better return. Well, they only want more, and people only want more stocks when it's going up. And I keep on okay. saying this, Dave, in the absence of risk, right. return is the only thing you focus on. Right. Let's bring back the risk conversation, and let's start thinking that you can have a simple solution to get your income, which is just go buy dividend-paying stocks right. or just buy you know high-yield bonds or just buy one thing and you've got it. That's not the case. It doesn't work in all market conditions. You need to make sure that you're protected for every market scenario. Yeah. And how do you do that? Yeah. That's where the buckets come into play. Well, and we're going to talk about that particular point. Structure becomes absolutely critical here. We're going to go and, you know, if, you, if I caught your interest at all or we caught your interest at all about that notion of, you know, depleting having to withdraw from a depleted portfolio and the impact. We're going to talk about that, the impacts, and how to protect yourself from it at the upcoming seminar. Yeah, unfortunately, our our January session is booked. We are now booking for in the south end at Oak Ridge on February 19th and in the north end at Crowfoot in March. You can uh, go to our website at morethanmoneyradio.com to see more information, or you can give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. All right, stick around after the break. If you've been concerned about volatility in your portfolio, there are things you can do to help dampen that, minimize that volatility in dealing with alternative strategies. We're going to educate you about that on the next segment. Stick around for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we often talk about... um, Alternative asset classes. Yes. Right? So things that, that don't fit into the traditional asset allocation or asset definition of cash, stocks, or bonds, right? All terms. And lots of things that can fit in that category. You can have things like gold and commodities, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. But there's an asset class that, that we're interested in and uh, we, we follow along, which is called a, a market-neutral long-short strategy. Correct, yeah. And so when we talk about our five-pillar investment strategy approach, um, you know, one of the pillars is the alternative trading concept. Yep. And, and when you're looking at a alternative way to trade in the market so it's not 
uh, correlated to the stock market or has low correlation, those types of things. You don't have the volatility. That's why we brought it in, and we weren't we, we didn't think of this ourselves. We we shamelessly adopted it from smart people like the Yale Foundation, yeah. uh, and as well as other pension plans who've been doing it. So we wanted to bring the uh, the brains uh, behind the operation onto our show to kind of explain what that is, and then you know what what can we expect out of out of that kind of an asset class? Yeah, and just educate about what alternatives and alternative trading strategies are. We've got Tim Elliott joining us. Tim's the president of CCNL Funds. Tim, thanks for taking some time with us today. Sure, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. So let's just maybe talk a little bit about, I'm, I'm not sure I did justice to the definition of an alternative asset class. If you want to expand on that, feel free. But I, I want to uh, get your thoughts to, to a layperson what this whole idea of, of a market-neutral strategy is. What, what is this alternative strategy, and why would somebody be interested in it? Sure, absolutely. So as you had said, Dave, alternative investments are, are simply investments that are not traditional investments, which would be your stocks and your bonds. And because these alternative investments behave differently than stocks and bonds, when you combine them into your portfolio, you end up with a similar return objective, but with a much smoother ride or or less volatility. With a market neutral strategy, as opposed to just buying the stocks in the market that we think will outperform and ignoring the stocks we think are going to underperform, we actually do a combination of buying the stocks we think will outperform and short selling the stocks that we think will underperform. And so we end up neutralizing the market. We own as many stocks long as we do short. And really the return from that strategy comes from the difference or spread in returns between our our long positions and our, our short positions. Now, so walk, walk us through a little bit about uh, the theory behind that. Um, and, you, you know, you made the comment, what will be music to people's ears right now, because we've had a lot of volatility at the last part of last year, smoothing out that ride. How do you accomplish, how do you accomplish doing that? Sure thing. Well, let's take our global market neutral strategy, for example. So we have a long-term expected return on that strategy of about 8%, which is about the long-term expected return from the stock market. However, the the risk or volatility of our strategy is about half of that of the stock market. And a good year in the stock market doesn't necessarily make for a good year in our strategy and vice versa. 2008, for instance, was a terrible year for global stock markets, but was quite a good year for our global market neutral strategy. And so, it's, as we all know, uh, difficult or impossible to predict when each of these strategies are going to outperform. And so what institutional investors do is they combine stock portfolios, bond portfolios, and market neutral portfolios together. And therefore, you cut out the highest highs, but also the lowest lows, and you end up achieving or giving yourself a chance to achieve your long-term objectives but without the same kind of volatility along the way. Now, if, if you know, risk is sort of, and volatility is front of mind for a lot of people, um, we talk about this, you know, the alternatives in this particular strategy having no correlation, Faisal said, to, uh, you know, to say the equity markets, the stock markets, even though the underlying investments are, are long and short uh, stocks. Maybe, again, in layman's terms, the best you can, Tim, Explain when we when an institutional investor adds a piece of this kind of a strategy to a portfolio. What does it do in terms of uh, what does a non correlation mean, and what is that? 
what's the experience an investor will have? Sure, absolutely. So the the in the investor's portfolio on a given day or a week or year, they're going to have certain strategies and, and securities that are doing better and and those that are doing worse. And unfortunately, human emotion tends to work at odds with sound investing. So when something is working really, really well, we want to own more of it. And when something's w- not working, we want to own less of it. But um, oftentimes, that is, in fact, the, the wrong thing to be doing. And so because we tend to react poorly to these periods of maximum optimism or maximum pessimism, there's a real benefit if you can cut out those, those peaks and troughs from your, uh, from your returns experience. And so when you incorporate something like a market neutral strategy that has performed well over time, but performs uh, well at different periods than stock and bond markets into your stock and bond portfolios, you end up with simply a smoother path. One thing about investing in alternatives is it, it, like you mentioned, it does reduce volatility of the overall portfolio. But when you look at that investment, and we'll just talk about market neutral in general, um, what's the time or patience that a person needs to have with a with a strategy like this? Like how long of an investment time period should you have with this kind of investment? Because there are times, like you've mentioned, and, and in recent uh, in recent markets, uh, generally speaking, these market neutral or long short strategies have not done as well as the markets have, the stock market in Canada or U.S. Primarily the U.S. is what I'm referring to. But um, when you when you look at someone who wants to invest in this type of a, a strategy, how long should they be keeping it as part of their portfolio does actually see the results that you're mentioning. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, because we are targeting a return above the risk-free rate, you know, which might be 2% today and we're targeting 8, so clearly we have to take on risk to try and target a better return than simply holding cash. And so anytime you're taking on risk that you're going to expose yourself to to the potential to you know, go down as well as, as going up. And, and certainly we saw that uh, in, in the stock market, especially in Q4 of, of last year with, with markets uh, generally peak to trough down uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20% during that period. We do not expect the same kind of uh, dramatic peaks and troughs in a market neutral strategy, but uh, we do not expect it to deliver 8% every single year. Uh, that, is, that is not something uh, that you can do when, you, when you're taking on risk. And so uh, to your question, Faisal, about time horizon, we would view uh, five years or, or uh, an average time horizon for an equity investor as a reasonable time frame to experience the benefits of this strategy. Important to keep in mind, though, uh, because we are not taking any exposure to the direction of stock markets, if the U.S. stock market is up 30% and our market neutral strategy is up 8%, then that is uh, we've achieved our, our objective. If the U.S. stock market is down 30%, we are still targeting that same positive 8% uh, return. So, again, uh, very unrelated to the direction of the stock market and also with significant less less risk or volatility. And I think that's what we need to have a bit more of an understanding when investing in these types of alternative investments is that it's not going to match what the market does. And so it is targeted for a return. And we're in, in, in the example you've used is 8%. That's an absolute return over a, over a market cycle. That's important for people to know because could you imagine, Dave, that if the markets were down 
negative, let's say, 10% over a five-year period, which is possible. Mm -hmm. It's happened in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the market neutral strategy is positive, right. which is great. But if it's negative five, it's still a failure in their eyes. Right. Right. And that's, I think people have to understand that because when, when it comes to portfolios, people benchmark or compare themselves to some sort of market out there versus what they really need. And, and I like the way that, um, you know, these guys, CCNL do it for this portfolio or uh, how we use them in our portfolios for that absolute return over a certain period of time. And that's, right. that's what we're targeting. So, so Tim, when, when, when you're meeting with institutional investors, now we're talking about the smart guys with big money. What are the, some of the things that they're asking you today that maybe they're not, they weren't asking five years ago? Sure, absolutely. So, so the good news with our, with our institutional investors and, and um, some of the uh, investment advisory teams that we work with that, that behave like institutions and incorporate these strategies is not a whole lot has changed. What is important to them to understand is, do we have the same probability of being successful in the next five years as we were in the last five years? Unfortunately, we all know we can't buy past performance. And so when you're investing with a given strategy or a given investment manager, what you're really trying to uh, give yourself is the highest probability of future success. So has anyone on our team left? Is there anything that we're doing differently that uh, will make it more difficult to have the same kind of success as we've had in the past? As you uh, both well know, uh, we're a very large privately owned organization and one of the benefits is uh, that we tend to have very, very low turnover in our personnel. People, people don't leave. And so because our institutional clients have confidence that we have the same team employing the same process that has delivered success over a long period of time, that uh, they can take comfort in the fact that we have the same probability of future success as we had 5 or 10 or 15 years ago. Tim, I want to thank you for your time. We can't do the, this topic justice in 10 minutes, but I think you've done a really good job at a very high level giving people an understanding of what an alternative asset class is and how these market-neutral strategies fit within a portfolio. Thanks for your time. Anytime, guys. Very much appreciated. Thank you. been joined by Tim Elliott, President, CCNL Funds. A uh, gentleman we know well, and we've, uh, we in fact, had speak at our, our last retirement conference for our, right. our client base, and he did a very good job of educating people in, uh, in this space. And we're going to talk about this uh, in the context of the bigger picture, right, how to bulletproof your retirement, how to make sure that uh, you get the highest probability, as Tim said, the highest probability of success of maintaining that lifestyle that you've envisioned. Yeah, and how do we use our five-pillar investment strategy approach to reach those goals? We'll discuss that on February 19th now. Remember, our January session is is completely full. We have opened up the February 19th at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer for their next session, give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or you can register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. And if you can't make the uh, the south location, we also have opened up the March, lo uh, March location for back in the north again. So, again, if you're interested in that, let us know. Stay tuned after the break because we're going to be talking about or talking to Alberta's finance minister, Joe Sisi, about his party's plans to boost the Alberta's economy. It's something on everybody's mind. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. And I get the opportunity, Dave, uh, uh, to talk to our Honorable Joe Sisi, Alberta Minister of Finance, and ask some of the questions that you listeners have been coming to me about. Some of our clients have been asking me about my thoughts. Well, I, I can't answer all those questions. I might as well just go to the guy who can. So, Honorable Sisi, thank you for joining us on the show. 
Hey, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for uh, calling. It's uh, it's great to be on the show again. Yeah, we had you out last year. We're going to hopefully bring you out every year going forward. So I want to kind of just jump right into it. Let's just get the uh, the question everybody's asking about. We know we're going to have an election. We want to know what the uh, the platform will be from from your party. How about you give us a bit of an insight on that one? Sure. Well, on the election, absolutely, we're going to be having an election. The premier has indicated she'll be following the law uh, in Alberta and says uh, during a 90-day period there has to be a provincial election every fourth year. And this is the fourth year, and so it will take place sometime between March 1st and uh, May 31st. Uh, that I can tell you for sure. And when she uh, decides, Premier Notley decides uh, to call the election, everybody, and I'm sure in Alberta will know, and your listeners as well, on platform, you know, it's going to be similar to what we do. And we have uh, shored up uh, infrastructure investment uh, throughout this province, namely 240 some schools have been built or modernized since uh, we've been elected in 2015 May. Uh, we have started things like the Calgary Cancer Center, a $1.2 billion uh, build, the largest, one of the largest uh, building builds in this province ever by a, a government. Uh, that's going to continue. So the focus is on health and education, ensuring that uh, our programs and services that uh, vulnerable Albertans or Albertans who need uh, government support are strong and uh, uh, help them get back into the workforce. These are the things that, uh, uh, including AISH uh, and income supports, we've recently indexed and raised those to assist Albertans who are struggling through the recession and into recovery uh, that we're starting to see in bits and patches throughout this province. So the platform is going to be much like uh, the record of this government, which is supporting Albertans and uh, uh, growing uh, uh, this province so it diversifies away uh, or in including oil and gas sector and diversifies to other sectors. That's a that's a great point that you just made in regards to diversifying. Many questions yes. that I get are about the pipeline. We're very frustrated in this province about about what's been going on from the federal government, from the lack of support that we feel that we're getting from the federal government. Um, I've always voiced my opinion on diversification of industries in this province. So let's start off with your take on the pipeline. Do you think things are going to be different in 2019? Will we get some resolution moving forward there? And then what about diversification of industries? What are your thoughts and what areas do you think we can bring to Alberta that's, that maybe hasn't been here, but we've got the skills, resources, and manpower to do it? You're right. Well, uh, absolutely. Our government's been fighting for what matters in this province, and we're taking action on all of those things to defend Alberta jobs and get good value for our resources. That's why we're fighting to build new pipelines in this province uh, out to uh, Tidewater. And uh, obviously, the federal government has purchased the existing Trans Mountain uh, Pipeline, and uh, the uh, the decision to go forward uh, with the expansion is... Uh, with the NEB at this point in time, National Energy Board, and they plan to come back in this early spring with regard to uh, uh, additional um, uh, refinements on that approval. Uh, so 
you know, with uh, luck and uh, with the continued support of Albertans, uh, we will see that uh, NEB decision go in our uh, Alberta's favor, um, not only Alberta's favor, but Canada's favor because of the significant uh, amount of um, money that is left on the table or goes to the United States and investors there and companies there that benefit from our um, unusually historically low uh, value that we get back for oil. We uh, are, are taking steps, of course, to look at other things uh, in this province to diversify uh, beyond um, where we're at. Um, we need to do that, and we have uh, taken steps to upgrade and refine our products here at home. Uh, that's still in the energy sector, but uh, with uh, uh, you know value added to the carbon molecule here in this province, uh, we can see uh, less pressure, hopefully, on on shipping out of the province, but also getting a better price for refined products. Um, and, and as you know, Faisal, we uh, are taking steps to uh, purchase rail cars to transport our oil to market and clear the backlog that's in this province. And we need the federal government to step up with us in that regard. Okay. And so now in this province, many people that I speak to at least, or have, have replied back to any of my comments uh, on on radio or on social media, they have said to me it it, it doesn 't feel like we're we 're out of the recession. It still feels like we 're in a recession now. I know our gross domestic product in this province is in a positive trend, so technically we 're not in a recession, but it sure feels like it. One of the well, concerns that they have honorable mm-hmm. CC, is about is about the tax rates and taxing one from business owners as carbon tax and from individuals just the overall tax or, or the tax amount of dollars they 've got to pay out federally and provincially, but unfortunately it 's going to come on your guys 's plate as we enter into an election. What are your well, thoughts you. about the, the carbon tax side first? Um, any chances that we can get that changed or, or adjusted considering it's not feeling like we're out of that recession yet? Well, if you're talking about the federal plan to uh, increase uh uh, taxes over time. We've put that on hold for carbon. We've put that on hold because of the Trans Mountain Pipeline uh, is not delivered yet. Uh, we will reconsider the $40 and $50 uh, that the feds want to get to by, I believe it's 2022 on carbon tax uh, if and when Trans Mountain is expanded, uh, but it's not yet. We have, uh, uh, of course, the uh, overall, we've got the lowest taxes in the country, uh, $11.2 billion less uh, come uh, come into this province uh, relative to the next highest province, which I believe is BC in terms of taxation. On the carbon tax front specifically, we're at $30 a ton right now. Uh, there will be no change in that. What that helps fund, obviously, is uh, uh, rebates back to the low and middle income uh, Albertans who currently pay carbon uh, levies. Um, that's about uh, 60% of the families in this province get that carbon levy rebated fully back to them, even more than they expend. Uh, we also um, invest in uh, the energy sector. So things like I was talking about, about upgrading and refining our products here at home come as a result of having those carbon levy funds collected and to be redeploying them to uh, diversify our economy. Uh, 
Uh, we also are uh, improving, um, uh, you know, phasing out of coal will help all of our health in this province uh, in the future, and the carbon levy helps with all of that as well. So, no, there's no uh, uh, reduction or elimination of the carbon levy uh, as we're doing many things that benefit Albertans, including in Calgary and in Edmonton, the Green Line uh, LRT expansion in Calgary and the Valley Line LRT expansion in Edmonton come directly from those carbon levies. Uh, that'll take cars off the road, make it less congested for everybody to drive around and and improve the quality of our, our environment and, uh, and less smog. I want one more thing from you. When when the announcement is made by the Premier for the election, I want you to come back on the show, give your position, because I think Albertans need to hear what you guys have to say, and we're going to have it against other other uh, parties. Sure. I think it's very important. And our, and our demographic, people who are transitioning to a living in retirement have, I think, a different viewpoint, a different concern uh, than the vast majority of the population, as they are, a, 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 I think they're a special group, and they need to they need to get their voices heard. So I want, I want to bring you back on the show when you after the uh, the actual declaration from the premier well that would be when the elections called I'd be more than happy to come back on your show you know the most important thing as people get into an older uh, demographic age demographic is their concern about health and health care and uh, as a, a party as a government we are not uh, increasing uh, any costs in that area for individuals there's no premiums health care premiums and there uh, will always be uh, public health care for Albertans who need it especially those who are seniors Great. Thank you for joining us today, Honorable Joe Cece. It's my pleasure, Faisal. Take care. And we're going to have him back on. He said it right after the election uh, announcement. We're going to have him back on to talk about what the NDP party has to talk about. Dave, you know, this was a, a very uh, a nice update from him yep. to us. We've had him on last year. Yep. Uh, we, uh, we're going to bring him back on after the announcement whenever Notley decides to make that announcement. Somewhere between March and May, she's going to make that announcement. I'm guessing it's going to be at the throne speech, but who knows? We'll find out. Um, but, uh, we, you know, our, our listeners and our, our clients have these some concerns, and I think one thing that he mentioned, was healthcare, so yep. I'm really interested in finding that out. Well, and, and you know, like it or hate it, he's accessible to us, and we'll get it straight from the horse's mouth in terms of what they're doing. And and you're right; I think you said it. You said it exactly right. This is a, a it's a unique group, right? There's unique needs uh, that people have in at retirement, right? Yeah. And, and this shows somewhat of a voice of that, so yeah. we can we can definitely address their concerns and go right to the people who have some some uh, political uh, influence yep. on, on this on this province. So That's I think right. it's going to be great. We are going to be having a seminar talking about what to protect in your retirement that concerns health care, as, as Minister Sisi said, is a concern. We're going to talk about how do you protect your health care through your retirement, and we're going to have that on February 19th at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine Spirits and Beer. Our January session is full, so you need to reserve for February in Oak Ridge, March in uh, Crowfoot, Go to our website to register, morethanmoneyradio.com, or give us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. And join us after the break. We're going to talk to you about what's really happening in this market and how to make some money. You listen to 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we, uh, we teased before we went to break about how you make some money. Uh, in this market. I mean, volatility is scary for a lot of people. We've talked lots about that. But the fact of the matter is guys like you love volatility because you get mispricing opportunities. You get to buy stuff cheaper than you would otherwise uh, you know, get it at. So let's take this from a, a bit of a macro scale and how you take a macro scale when it comes to this type of 
uh, of market is you got to look at how your conversations, especially when we're talking to the public or individual clients, how they're reacting. And we've talked to other advisors uh, throughout the city, and they're, they're hearing the same thing. People are nervous, concerned, yep. and there are many individuals who are capitulating, getting out of the market, mm-hmm. changing their investment strategy. So they're getting out for whatever reason. They may, in their own individual such circumstances, feel it's the right uh, um thing to do for them, and it may be, mm-hmm. but they are capitulating to some degree, which means they're selling with, with not regard to the investment, but to their personal circumstance well, or so their emotions. Their emotions. Thank okay. You. Yeah. It could be one or the other, right? So when it comes to people just selling without looking at the fundamentals, mm-hmm. then you are now mispricing what's happening in the market. Mm-hmm. You're now taking it into your own situation, not into the market. So when, the, when people start to sell collectively, that pushes stock prices down. Well, and I want to add to that, let's not just talk about individual investors, talk about the ETF effect, the exchange-traded fund as well, because when those get sold, correct. what people don't understand is every company in that ETF gets sold, and it might get overdone. So let's say you bought the TSX 60, that's 60 companies, the largest 60 companies in the Toronto stock market, you bought that exchange-traded fund or ETF of that, and you now want to get out of the market, so you sell. Literally, what the ETF company has to do is sell every single holding in that proportion out. And if they see a massive sale, if they see multiple redemptions, which we did see in December, and it was mom and pops that were selling, it wasn't institutional. Right. Who's buying in January? Institutional. Right. So I call that the smarter money. Um, The smarter money is basically saying, oh, you guys want to sell for irrational reasons? Great, let's go and pick it up. Mm -hmm. This is why I love the markets when they get this volatile, because people are selling for the wrong reasons. What people have, at least on individual, I'm talking about, you know, clients or listeners of the show have been talking to me about is trying to time the market. Mm -hmm. What they're saying is, well, why didn't we get in at that time and get out at another time? So they're looking in hindsight, of course, and they're saying we should have got in uh, in February Mm -hmm. and we should have got out in August Mm -hmm. and we would have been much better off. So why (laughs) didn't we do that? Right. And they would have been right, of course, but you don't know those days. Yeah. And, and last week we talked about if you missed the best days, you would have, you would have lost on return. Um, no, let's put it in perspective, though, right? If you didn't hear the show last week, over the past 20 years, there was 5,036 trading days in that period. If you missed the top five trading days of those 5,036, you cut your return on the S&P 500 by 47%. Conversely... If you had missed the worst, tra- uh, the worst uh, down days, the five worst down days, you would have improved your return by 71%. My point in this is five out of 5,036. You have to be absolutely precise. Correct. And nobody can do that. And I think that's where we have to kind of educate our listeners about market timing versus allocation of assets and the difference between the two. But if we take market timing off, Faisal, how do you take advantage of them? So if you're okay. if you're invested question. in a strategy, okay, through this period and equity markets fall, how am I going to take advantage of that? Okay, so equity equity markets. If I look at the U.S. because that's been where the news has been really focused on, we are we were twenty percent off the highs in two thousand and eighteen right. in the month of December. So that's called a bear market. We've fallen and then we've come back up halfway. So we fell twenty percent. And now we've come back up about 11% off the bottom. 
what that basically tells me is that there's been some buying and pricing in the market. So what you need to look at is your portfolio from an asset allocation perspective based upon your goals or needs. So we have a growth bucket. We have a typical growth bucket that meets a typical client. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they deviate based on people's circumstances. Yeah, but base case, yeah. the, But our base case scenario has an asset allocation that covers these areas, U.S., Canadian stocks, emerging markets, Europe, and going into Japan. Mm-hmm. So that's our stock side. We have we have uh, fixed income, mm-hmm. so global bonds. Mm-hmm. And then as earlier we talked to um, Connor Clark and Leonard yeah. CCNL, we have some alternatives in our, in our five-pillar investment approach. When you go through those five pillars and you've allocated certain dollars, sometimes the stock market or any other one of those pillars will imp- appreciate or depreciate based upon market volatility. Right. And what I love about our strategy is that in the event that the stock market fell, which it did, and in, and and we know when it was when I came back from from my trip to Mexico and I saw things selling off, mm-hmm. what did we do? We started buying. Yeah. And so we allocate a money from you know, for example, bonds were up for us in that month. We took a little bit of profit off the off the bonds mm-hmm. and moved it into the equity market. Mm-hmm. We saw that the U.S. was still doing better than some of the international sides. We took some money out of the U.S. and went into international. Right. And so on and so forth. And I think that's where over time, over let's say any five to 10 year cycle, you will start to nibble away at those opportunities. Right. If the mindset is only on market timing right. that you should have gone in and got out, this is this is like Vegas betting. Pull all your chips in, pull all your chips away. Right, right. Then you're betting the market, not investing in the market. Right. And then I ask every individual to talk to their advisor and say, are you betting for me or are you investing for me? Right. And if you're investing for me, what's the philosophy? Right. What's your buy strategy? What's your sell strategy? And then see if you're aligned. Because I think this is the time where every Canadian should be sitting down with their advisor and, and understanding the investment strategy and does it fit for what you want. Right. You know, even within the equity markets, let's assume there's somebody listening that's 100% equity exposed, right? There's still opportunities to trade the equity markets. As an example, if we were, you know, we're talking about the exchange-traded fund effect, right? Yeah. Just use the S&P 500. It's a market-weighted index. So as you put a dollar in, it just proportionately buys every one of those 500 companies. When when we sell, so when the buying happens, right, you're going to get companies that perhaps don't deserve to be priced up, getting getting bid up because of the exchange-traded fund effect. Yep. The reverse happens, as we've talked about. Well, think about that. If the baby goes out with the bathwater and good companies are being sold off for no other reason that people need to exit the exchange-traded fund, that presents guys like you with opportunity to buy those companies. So even if you had to sell one security... Uh, stock to buy another stock because it's a better opportunity. There's still opportunity. I want to leave our our listeners with this one thing. Um, we've never professed to be the smartest people in the world. Um, one of the most successful people in the world when it comes to investing, the most well known individual right. is Warren Buffett. Right. And I went back over his over his uh, track record uh, since he started. Warren Buffett, uh, when you look at his numbers going back to from 1965 to 2017, mm-hmm. I'll get his 2018 data specifically. Um, Warren Buffett has underperformed the market 32% of the time. Yeah. One in three years, he does not outperform the market. Right. He underperforms the market. Right. And so if Warren Buffett's not market timing, right. he's looking at good value companies and he's holding on to that, shouldn't we learn from that? And if you look at all the most successful investors in the world, right. none of them say, I can time the market perfectly. Right. 
They all say they've got a value-based strategy, fundamentally focused on how to get companies. You That's what it. I wanted to say. Okay, let's leave it on that. We've got to remind everybody about our upcoming seminar and our January seminar uh, seminars, our book. So we're talking about February, March now. Yeah, February and March. In February, we're being at the, at the Oak Ridge Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. In March, we're going to be at the... Uh, Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go to our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. We're doing our darndest this year to educate people about all the topics of interest that we hear. If there's anything that you've got questions about, send us an email at morethanmoneyradio.com, and we're going to do our best to address it. That's where we get our best content. Any of the stuff that we talk about, we archive. You can find our archives, the past segments, on morethanmoneyradio.com. Or listen, if it's easier, we'll deliver it directly to you. Now, all you have to do is search up More Than Money CHQR on Apple Podcast or in your favorite podcast app, and you'll receive it every week. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. A subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada.